What makes a proper villain? Close your eyes and think. Is it the nefarious plans, the unlimited resources, or the downright evil in their minds? On this podcast, we're going to take you through our favorite proper villains, through books, nonfiction, spies, and more. Now sit back, relax, and let's get villainous. Welcome back to Proper Villains. I'm Robin Englehart Bagley, and I'm thinking about diving into a Rebecca rabbit hole. I'm Caitlin Bagley, and if you hear any barking during this episode, we had to kick out two dogs before recording, so please, they're angry with us. (laughs) And, And they're healers, so they're very opinionated. Yes, you got in here before I did. And they came running, and I actually had to kick them out to even get to my chair. So if you hear any angry dogs, they're mad at us. <laughs> One of them's groaning outside the door. I can hear him. He's like laying outside the door and going, hmm, which is his I'm upset, let me in voice. <laughs> so. so what are we talking about this time? Well, we are getting into more of the gothic literature. Yay! I was waiting for that. We are going to discuss Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. I love this book so much. This book was fantastic. (laughs) And it did get the rep it deserved Mm -hmm. online. This book is phenomenal. And And creepy. And so creepy. And I just want to say that I, I, I think it's just come out in paperback, and I don't know what that cover looks like. If they were smart, they kept the same cover because... That's like one of the most gorgeous covers I have ever seen. Yes. And I know we also said that about um, They Never Learn, mm-hmm. but this is a gorgeous, gorgeous cover. My bookseller even commented on that. She was selling, I bought it during the pandemic and ordered it from an indie and they're getting ready to send it to me. And she messages me and says, the cover of this is gorgeous. I said, I know. So she's like, tell me, tell me if you like it or not. And of course I did. I loved it. So. So good. And then I borrowed your copy, yes. which is kind of how this usually works. Yes. yes. But where are we Where are we diving into in the story? Well, we are in 1950s Mexico City when the story opens. And that was fun because I've not read a lot of things set in Mexico in the 50s. I was a Spanish major in college, so I read a lot of Spanish literature, some Mexican but a lot, eh, sorry, you know, colleges still tend to focus a lot on the actual Spanish literature that's written mm-hmm. by Spanish authors and Mexican authors get kind of overlooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some, but in my opinion, not enough. And it was all old as hell. So this was actually quite contemporary when it was just in the 1950s. Right. And what I thought was also very interesting about it was this is a a wealthy family. Uh, our main character is Noemi, and she is a socialite. I mean, she's she's a young. She's like twenty two, right? Uh, she's rich. Her family runs factories. And what I really love about this is that it turns on its head so much of what Americans hear about Mexico, because we just you know we hear you know the all the the terrible stories and and like so many people just think it's just a you know such a poor country and and with all of these problems and that's really a misconception 
you know, Mexico has vibrant culture, rich history, and it's it's truly good to read something by a Mexican author. Silvia Moreno Garcia is of Mexican descent, but she lives in Canada. Really? Yes. But the main kicker is here, it's not a white guy writing about a 22-year-old Mexican woman. Exactly. It is a uh, Mexican woman writing about Mexican people. Yes, which is refreshing almost, yes. which is horrible to say. Yes. That it has to be refreshing. And uh, it's so well done. So yes, we're opening up. It's 1950s Mexico. And no Noemi is coming home from a party and her father pulls her into his office. We got a telegram from your cousin. I think she's going crazy. And you need to go see her. Yep. And, you know, Noemi doesn't really want to just pack up and, you know, because it's it's a trek to go see the cousin. Mm -hmm. It's not like across town. It's like a very long train journey. Yes. Um, up into the mountains. And she's not really all that excited about it, but she does agree to do it. And she does love her cousin. It mm -hmm. sounds like they were raised almost as siblings. Mm -hmm. And the cousin got in a marriage that the family didn't approve of. Right. And her, the family she married into, uh, they're not Mexican. They are British. Yes, they are British. And so the, the family had real reservations about her marrying this, what is essentially a colonial, a colonial colon, they're colonizers. Yes. Yeah. They ran a big silver mine. Uh, they, they don't approve. And it's kind of an infamous family because as mm -hmm. you learn throughout the book, we're not going to spoil why, but they were horrible to their miners and a lot of their miners yeah. died and revolted. Yeah. And they, they, that family is 100 miles of bad road. Steep bad road because this manor is aptly named High Place. Yes. And it's like on the side of a freaking mountain. <laughs> yeah, it's way up in the mountains. And if you like books with a strong sense of place, this is excellent because it's very atmospheric. It's also kind of claustrophobic because not only is it this big, so if you love Gothic fiction, as I do, you've got the big creepy house that is in itself a character. Oh, God, yeah. that house is creepy, but it's foggy like all the time oppressively so yep and you you see things in the fog yeah. and the longer she's there she's trying to figure out what's wrong with her cousin because she doesn't think her cousin's going crazy she mm -hmm. thinks her cousin is sick yes. and almost being denied medical care by the family yes. doctor yes absolutely i mean she's not getting the care and she wants to take her to a doctor and they're like no no she's too weak yep and, and then you get introduced to the family oh I cringed in the sound you just made. <laughs> they're, they're so bad. And uh, Catalina's husband, Virgil, he's just icky. He is icky. Yeah, he's charming. I guess he's uh, uh... sort of attractive. I just was like, ew. I just did not like him at all. The vibes coming off that man were just gross. And when Noemi starts actually experiencing the same things as her cousin. Virgil is just gaslighting her. He's walked in on her in the bathtub. Oh, it's just, ugh. yeah, it's gross. And then there's uh, Florence. Now, if you've read Rebecca, you know who Mrs. Danvers is. And Florence is kind of Mrs. Danvers. Uh, she is really strict. She's really creepy. Um, it comes out later just how far she goes for this family. It's truly awful. 
And she's also, this whole family is extremely racist. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like your kind is said a few times about the Mexican people, because even though they're not in their own country, they're British, Mm -hmm. the Mexicans to them are inferior. Oh, yes. And she is the one who just drips that contempt. And you just want to hit her. Well, and then the, so Virgil is Catalina's husband and his dad is Howard. And Howard is old and frail and just but obsessed with eugenics yes and if anyone has ever delved into almost what hitler was trying to create with his perfect race Mm -hmm. you could kind of get that vibe here where he is like telling his kids to marry strong mexican women for their strong blood yeah it's it's just but he like hand picks them it's disgusting it's disgusting it's so gross and i mean she is not noemi is wildly uncomfortable but she realizes her cousin is truly in danger her health is in danger her life is in danger and she's not going to abandon her i mean i loved this character because you think Oh, she's a socialite and she's shallow and it's whatever. And it's like, no, she is determined. She is smart as hell. Well, she's like studying to go to college for anthropology and she's trying to get her dad to let her go before she gets sent off. So she also, being an anthropology major, is very educated in what Howard preaches and how it's wrong. Yeah. And she's just disgusted by it, but she can't leave. She doesn't really believe her cousin in what she's seeing, even though she's starting to see things too. Mm-hmm. But she does believe her cousin is on the brink of death. Yeah. And we almost forgot about Francis. Francis is the one redeeming person in that family. There's a reason for that, but we're not going to have any spoilers. We're not going to have any spoilers. We're not going to tell you why Francis is the only decent person but he's is but he's also probably the weakest he is he is definitely of the weakest mind he can't leave his mother Mm -hmm. and it's just the family is eating him from the inside and he's so you know he's so tied to the family and just doesn't think there's any other way for him but through noemi he starts to see maybe there is another way to live yeah there's a life outside of high place yeah and then the house oh the wallpaper i don't like wallpaper anyway and if you don't like wallpaper and you read this book trust me you will hate it and you will never put up wallpaper in your house again ever no and then the cemetery Uh, yeah oh that was so but if you also kind of remind me when you said the house is its own character was the haunting of hill house by Mm -hmm. shirley jackson yeah that is kind of where i got where the house sucks you in and the house won't let you leave either yeah it's not just the family that's fucked up yeah the house is fucked up it is it's it's so bad i mean it's just the creep factor of this book is is tremendous and and i've heard some people say well you know it starts a little slow it's not a thriller i mean i have to emphasize that you know people that are expecting a thriller and go into this this is gothic fiction the build-up is slow. The suspense and the building of suspense is really, really important in this type of a story. So it's not, it's not a popcorn thriller. That's not what we're getting here. And then the end, which we are not going to talk about and spoil, except uh! (laughs) 
Yeah, the end. It's like, this is a slow burn book. You have the buildup. And when you hit the climax, you will not put this book down because it just, you fly through the end. Because yeah. when it when everything goes to hell in this book, it goes fast. And yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's so disgusting. There's so much that's disgusting. It's just, but it's horror. And I mean, I think that's another thing people need to understand. It's not a thriller. It's horror. Mm -hmm. And this is where the horror comes in is at the end. And it is horrific. So, I mean, I, I think that that's, you know, people that look at this gorgeous cover and then, you know, the ending, you know, freaks them out. Cause I mean, and it's not overall a scary book. It's, it's not, you know, and I know people that haven't read that don't typically read horror, like they would never read a Stephen King and they can get through this. They're, they're freaked out by the ending, but they're not scared. Right. You know, this is not a book that... This is not jump scare Stephen King. Right. This is slow burn with an inferno at the end. And you put it down. I'm pretty sure I texted you because I was on my lunch break when I finished this. Mm -hmm. I think I just texted you, what the actual fuck? Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> it was. I'm reading it too. And I'm just like, oh my God, what is happening? Oh my God, what is happening? So slow burn, mind blown at the end. Please read this book. <laughs> it's it's terrific. And if you like this book, uh, Marina Garcia has a couple others out. She has a new one coming out this August called Velvet Was the Night. And I think that is more of a crime novel. Uh, I have pre-ordered it, but uh, impatiently waiting for it. She also has Untamed Shore, which was brilliant. I read that after I read Mexican Gothic because I just wanted to read more of her stuff. And that one was a terrific, it's set in 1970s Baja, Mexico. Ooh. It was great. It's like a, almost like a noir uh, crime novel. It Ooh. was, it was terrific. And, and they're so dissimilar. I mean, so she really, cause this is definitely Gothic fiction. That is definitely crime fiction. Um, she's a, a genre jumper for sure. Yes. And I guess we need to point, the villain is Howard. Yes, and Virgil. Well, I think Virgil's almost tied in with the creepy, we can't yeah. spoil it, but... Yeah, Howard is the source of it. He's the patriarch. I think yeah. that's the best way to put it. Yes, he is the patriarch. The, the colonizer and the patriarch. And then everyone falls into his domain, yes. which makes him and the house the house is also i believe a villain that thing is fucking weird mm -hmm. i'm i'm going to say it now architecture can be a villain <laughs> <laughs> but yes by all means uh read this book it is terrific um and and you know if you like her stuff she's got other books out there uh, you have found an author you can count on so all right and then what are you um, discussing today. Well, I decided to get in the Wayback Machine again and uh, talk about Dashiell Hammett's The Maltese Falcon. And it's been a while since I've read it. I have read it twice, though. Uh, I love the movie. And yeah, it's, it's black and white. It was done in like the 30s. It's definitely film noir. Are you just getting older and older each book you pick? Um, 
maybe. No, I think this is actually, I don't know if this was written before or after the murder on the Orient Express, but I feel like you just get in a time machine every time it's your week. Um, actually, <laughs> yeah, 1929. So yeah, it actually is older than murder on the Orient Express. So yes, I guess I just keep going back in time. Next, we'll be talking about Wilkie Collins and I'll be way back there. But uh, <laughs> this is, and I think a lot of people know the storyline here, but I don't think that many people have read the book. And Dashiell Hammett sort of introduced um, hard-boiled detective fiction. He and Raymond Chandler were the guys who started that genre. And it is not for everyone. I, you know, I have listened to a lot of podcasts and and it seems women talk about, it. I tried reading this, you know, noir fiction and I just couldn't get through it. And it's, it's not for everyone. I really like it. Uh, the dialogue is exceptionally terse. Uh, it's, everything's kind of cut down to details and there is almost no one. I mean, the only person in this book that I like is Effie Perrine, who is the secretary. So Sam Spade is our main character and he is a, He's a private detective and he's a bit, I think, I think one blurb called him shopworn, and I think that's a pretty good <laughs> description. Uh, he's tired. He's not, he's not a bad guy, but he's definitely not a good guy. He's not terribly likable. Uh, but you know, he is what he is. And he's he's definitely kind of started this whole down on your luck, loner detective trope that still exists today. So but he is approached by a mysterious young woman who comes to the office and spins him a whole pack of lies about she's looking for her sister, blah, blah, blah. She is not. She gives him a fake name. Uh, later on, she he finally gets her real name. I think Bridget O'Shaughnessy is supposed to be her real name. And she is actually on the run from a couple of guys. And she is trying to steal... Um, a Maltese falcon, which is a, a figurine. It's it's like an expensive bird. I mean, it's a bird figurine. That's what the Maltese falcon is. It came from Malta and it's very old. I mean, it's got this old storied history. Uh, so they take, they end up taking this case. Um, his partner, Miles, ends up shot. He is dead and the police descend. Of course, Sam Spade is a suspect and it's, there's a lot of him going back and forth with the cops. Uh, it's all very hard boiled. They're, they're pretty corrupt. Uh, there's a lot of drinking in these books. Everybody seems to have uh, whiskey in their office. Uh, it turns out Sam Spade really is just not that great of a guy because he's been sleeping with his partner's wife. Um, then she's a mess. Uh, he's trying to deal with her. I mean, it is just, it is a disaster. Sam Spade has a disaster on his hands and he's the number one suspect. However, uh, he has this bird he has to deal with and into the scene come a couple of other characters, uh, Joel Cairo and uh, the fat man who only goes by Gutman. And this becomes a whole thing about who's whose falcon it really is, who stole it from whom, what ship is it on. Um, it is just a whole caper. And it's it's really, a, it's an entertaining, it's a short book. It's very entertaining. The movie is great. And the movie is actually very close to the book. So if you didn't want to read the book, you can always watch the movie. It's a great black and white classic. And uh, it's, it's just one of my all-time favorites.
All that trouble for a bird. For a bird. For our listeners, I hate birds. Birds are terrifying. <laughs> been chased by turkeys. Been in a very t- tense situation with a goose. Screw Fuck the bird. Let the bird you, get on the ship. You, I don't, don't care. You don't like chickens either, so. No, they're evil too. But, uh, While I, alive, yeah. they're very good cooked. I, know. I, I would <laughs> love a Maltese falcon. I'm always on the lookout for a Maltese falcon figurine I could put in my office. So, you know. So, yeah, if I ever come across one, that'd be cool. Maybe bookends, Maltese falcon bookends. That would be super cool. If anyone knows where she can find those on Etsy, shoot her a DM on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Shoot her a DM on Instagram. Because so. <laughs> I'm not buying them for her. <laughs> what are you currently reading? I'm currently reading Blowout by Rachel Maddow, which gets into the corruption of the oil industry, which is kind of a nonfiction villainy. Mm-hmm. Um, chapter one definitely delves into the rise of the oil monopoly with Rockefeller. And then I'm only in chapter four. It's very well written, but it's still oil, so it takes a little while to get through. The So far, we've gone into how the Russians have dealt, dipped their toes in and how... Also, how Putin took over the entire Russian oil industry, which is what I'm currently on. How he actually threw a political rival in jail, took over his whole oil enterprise so that it wouldn't get sold to ExxonMobil. And just, like they called it, um, state-sanctioned theft of a whole company. So I'm only on chapter four. It's a good read. It's very well written. It's a little slow because, like I said, it's nonfiction about the oil industry. But with how corrupt all these bastards are, it's still a very interesting book. Yeah, that is. And there's still villains out there to this day. And what about you? I am currently reading How to Find Love in a Bookshop by Veronica. Veronica or Victoria Henry? Now I'm not sure. Veronica Henry. Sorry about that. And it is not a mystery. There are no villains. (gasps) I know. Okay, But it is a book about books. Mm. And I do love a book about books and anything that's set in a bookshop or a library. I'm always very interested in mm-hmm. so far. It's very charming. Um, it's about Amelia who has just lost her father. Uh, and she was, uh, he was her only living parent and now he has died and she is coming back to take over his um, bookshop in an English village. Oh. And uh, it's just, and, and you're reading about all these other people. There's lots of characters in here and you're reading about their lives and how they're all connected back to the bookshop. So it's, I think it's a lot about, it's about community. It's also about grieving and loss. And it's also just about how bookish people and people who love books find each other and help each other. So yeah, it's, it's so far, it's, it's just very charming. Oh, well. I guess if it can't have villains as long, it's charming. So I guess that's fine. It has books. Which we love. We love books. So uh, you can find us on Instagram at Proper Villains Books and Facebook at Proper Villains Books. All the books that we've discussed today will be found in the show notes. And don't forget to like us and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Yes, that helps others find it. Uh, We're a new podcast and we're always looking for new listeners. So if you have bookish friends, please tell them about us. And we'll see you guys in two weeks with more villainy.